KPFA, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. It is 3 p.m., now time for Cover to Cover. Open book here on KPFA. And I'm your guest host this afternoon, Ann Skinner Jones. And with me in the studio is Oakland award winning artist James Gales. Thank you, James, for being here today and joining us. We're going to talk to James about his work and a show that's opening tonight at a new space in Oakland, Nonsuch Space, and we'll talk about that. But first, let's talk to James about his background. You've been in Oakland for a number of years, James, and came here from the East Coast. Tell us a little bit about who you are. Okay. Thank you for having me, Anne, and oh, KPSA. A little bit about my background. Originally, I'm from the East Coast, attended Pratt Institute in Brooklyn, New York. I uh, worked for NBC TV in New York, as well as doing freelance graphics for a lot of Magazines, book covers, Essence Magazine, Black Enterprise, New York Times, Random House, Macmillan. I did win an Emmy, by the way. Good for you. <laughs> uh, when I was working for NBC in New York for a news graphics design. And basically, while back east, I was focusing mainly on the commercial art. And I didn't really get into the fine art until I moved out to the Bay Area here. Well, I think that's very interesting that you are able to actually combine a career in commercial art and fine art. Tell us how you do that. I know you're in the studio on the weekends, but you must work just about all the time. I do. (laughs) Seems like all the time. Well, I was trained as a fine artist when I attended Pratt. I majored in painting. But immediately after graduation, I felt the need to make money. (laughs) And... uh, that became available through graphic design, first a freelance, then I worked for a few companies, and so I supported myself by graphic design, doing painting, sort of on the side, you know, on the weekends. When I came out here, I tried to get a job at NBC out here, or other TV stations, but the job market out here is pretty tight compared to back east in those fields. I even tried to run my own company for a few years, graphic design company. But I feel quite fortunate that I can do both. My job right now, I'm an illustrator and designer for the Bay Area Newspaper Group, which is a conglomeration of the San Jose Mercury News, Contra Costa Times, and former ANG newspapers. So um, my daily job, you know, I get to illustrate and draw, plus, you know, the more tedious aspects of it, you know, doing maps and charts. And usually, either before I go into work or after I come home from work, I'm in the studio painting, and on the weekends I paint. And I've been pretty fortunate to, uh, over the years, build up several bodies of work, and I've been able to show a lot in the Bay Area, a few galleries across the country, I'm aiming for internationally. (laughs) 
You've won a number of awards, James, in the Oakland Bay Area for your fine art and your watercolors. In particular, you were honored at the Art of Living Black in 2003 when you received the Jan Hart Shires Award. You were recently commissioned by the Alameda County Art Commission to create a series of paintings for the juvenile justice system. And as I understand it, you had the choice of working with kids or not, and you elected to work with kids. Could you tell us about that? Yes, that was a very interesting project. Again, I was commissioned to do a series of four paintings, which would hang in the new building, Juvenile Justice Center in San Leandro. I guess the guidelines were that the art had to be, you know, inspiring, colorful, you know, positive, uplifting for the detainees that were there and also for their visitors, the officials, staff. And as a component, there was an option to either work with the kids in some form, which I chose to do. For the reason, first, I wanted to see what the children would be interested in seeing, you know. There's a few who were artistically talented. It was good working with them to talk about the different career options, you know, when they got out, give them a little bit of information about the art world. Yeah, it was it was rewarding to work with them. What kind of subject matter were they interested in? Surprisingly, or not surprisingly, a lot was interested in graffiti. <laughs> How did you deal with uh, that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the graffiti style, you know, there's a lot of uh, fine artists that came out of the graffiti field. So, you know, within that, that framework, I could work with color, composition. So, you know, that was good. Let me mention a couple of other projects that involved art and youth. One being the City of Oakland public art project, which I did in around 2000 at the uh, Bushrod Recreation Center. For that, they were building a new recreation center, and they wanted art that related to the kids. And part of the process for selecting their artists, I had to meet with the community, and they had to see something that would uplift the kids, you know. So what I chose for that was murals of different athletes. Two were former people who, as kids, played at Butch Rod, went on to become professional athletes, uh, Ricky Henderson and Gary Payton, the basketball player. I did them, and I threw in uh, Venus Williams and Flo Joe, Flo and Griffith Joyner. Had to have some women in there. <laughs> and for that, it was a new process for me because I did tile murals. I collaborated with a tile artist just to see how to get the image on the tile and the glazing and everything, firing. So the murals were created like a mosaic, eight-inch square tiles, which formed a bigger piece. And so I did four murals for that. Again, my philosophy behind that was that the children saw their role model, the professional athletes who, you know, went on to achieve something. And the other project was one of my collectors is a judge, Judge Trina Thompson. She works with the Alameda Court System, and she collected five of my pieces, and they were athletes. Lily Mays... Jackie Robinson, Bill Russell, Michael Jordan. Did I say Jim Brown, the football player? Yeah, Jim Brown. And she hung them up in her courtroom. She wanted, you know, again, images, you know, that the kids could relate to coming in. And also, I worked with her. There was a particular person that was convicted of graffiti again, <laughs> vandalism. And uh, she had me talk with him. And, you know, he actually interviewed me. It was part of her or court order to do <laughs> and talking about the different options in art, the artistic field. And so that worked out pretty good. 
In your watercolors, you particularly have this um, sort of magic with color. Talk to me a little bit about what what takes you to the color. How do you respond? What do you hope your viewer will respond? Or what do you want to evoke from the viewer? Okay, let's see. Watercolor came about early on in my artistic career, very early when I was a teenager, a young kid. I did paint in oils. But then I found out that I was allergic to oils. So I had to switch to something else. And, you know, I fell in love with watercolor because of the spontaneity of the medium, you know, the flow, the color. And I, I kind of learned that you don't really try and control it. You know, you let it happen. And uh, I like the results. I always was surprised with the results. So I like that medium. I guess I just have a, a natural you know, feeling for it. So it's been a good relationship with me and watercolors. Well, also, you many of your pieces are watercolor and what you describe as mixed media. Can you explain where the mixed media comes in in the work with the watercolor? Yes. The mixed media comes in. I'm always interested in different textures, different planes, layers, so to speak. And I use watercolor in my mixed media, usually as the final layer. Or, again, with computers, combined with computers, I scan the artwork and work with it in Photoshop and uh, other computer programs and do a large digital print and then rework that on top of that with acrylic, oil pastels, or color pencil. A lot of times acrylic plays a supporting role to the watercolor in terms of background. But on a few of my pieces, I've done it entirely acrylic. Uh, not in this series, but in other series. But yeah, I like the dif- different textures, and uh, it makes it more interesting. And also, I like to combine abstract elements in the background of of the portraits. So, uh, what would be an example of that in terms of the abstraction? Example would be more abstract, expressionistic kind of splatters, brushstrokes, that type of thing. Please join this exciting artist, James Gales, tonight at Nonsuch Space. The opening reception is between 6 and 10, corner of Broadway and 29th on the second floor, part of the Oakland Art Murmur. Can you describe your creative process? How does that happen? Let's see. Lately, it's come about through commissions, through bodies of work for a gallery exhibit. So the subject matter is kind of already determined within that framework when I'm doing my research I do a lot of research into the say for instance the jazz series I'll do research on the jazz people that played around the Bay Area and if I see images that I like a lot of times since a lot of the musicians are local still I contact them and talk with them you know see if they have an image that they would like or the times when I, I just get inspired just, you know, out of the air. This happens that much lately because of the amount of work I'm doing and I'm really busy. So it's pretty filled up with stuff that's already predetermined. But um, I'm always looking for, you know, more inspiration, wherever it may be. You clearly have a mastery with the color. What goes on in your selection of colors? What do you decide to start with? In a lot of my pieces, the coloring is not your traditional coloring for, you know, I have a lot of all blue faces, you know, I might throw green, you know, orange, you know, but color, my choice of color, I'm just trying to please myself. So that's how that comes about. Like 
choices, my combination of colors. I'm trying to excite myself, I guess, <laughs> visually. So that's how that comes about. Well, the pieces are visually exciting, really mm-hmm. stunning. Oh, good. But just a thrill to view. Now, tonight there's an opening at Nonsuch Space, and you're showing a series of works that honors International Women's History Month. It's a group of paintings that you've selected. The subject is women, and one is motherland, which I think is a good example of your use of watercolor and mixed media. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us about how that came to be? Okay, well, um, that particular piece came about as an experiment. I've done done two pieces like that. One was a male version, one was a female version. And what that is, is a combination of digital prints of many of my former paintings, which I cut up and collaged together, as well as painting directly on it certain parts of the anatomy and backgrounds and stuff uh, with acrylic. So that's, yeah, that's a real mixed media piece, collage, acrylic, digital. Motherland is, is a signature piece for the show this evening. It's on the postcard that's advertising the show. And could you tell me a little bit about what you hope to achieve with that? It was experimental. And the two pieces go together. One is Motherland. The other is called Transplanted Man. Motherland is a symbol for Mother Africa. And if you look at the painting... At the bottom of the painting is a, an embryo, and that embryo signifies the slave, the African slave that was taken to America and um, was transformed in, from an African to a slave. And transplanted man is the grown-up embryo that was ripped from his womb, uh, Africa, and taken, uh, transported to America, and actually made into uh, another entity. And by the piece, well, the transplanted man isn't part of the show, but he's very disjointed, and the collage methods work good with him. But um, So that's the story of Motherland. And in terms of this selection of work you really wanted to honor, you, you wrote about this particular group of portraits, um, thinking about your own family, grandmothers, mothers, aunts, nieces, the ordinary, extraordinary women that you've been fortunate to know in your life and also you paint a lot of jazz masters so there's some women who come into that what do you think honors the sacred feminine in this work and really celebrates that extraordinary well um first of all in my work in general i'm drawing the faces you know i wouldn't call myself a portrait artist because i want to show much more i want to kind of portray the emotions and I like that in a face and uh, really what is more beautiful in a woman's face you know so I've done a lot of women in my work African women ethnic women different races musicians women musicians I've done when I see a face if I see the dignity strength of character beauty sensuality in it that captures me, and in return, I like to kind of portray that to my audience. So this body of work contains many of those pieces. I think that we really see your honoring and um, your appreciation of beauty in the work. There are also pieces that are only watercolor that are in this collection that's mm-hmm. opening this evening. Are there some you'd like to tell us about? Uh, those that are pure watercolor, um, Carol Woman 
which is an African woman from the Carroll tribe. That's pure watercolor. And with that, I, I didn't think it needed, you know, any other medium. Also talk about Queen Califia. Oh, yeah, Queen Califia. That was an interesting piece. That began as a commission to do a book cover for a book called Our Roots Run Deep by John Templeton, which is the history, black history of California. It's quite interesting. I don't know if many people know about Queen Califia. California was named after her, for one thing. And she's fictitious. The Spanish writers back during that period wanted to motivate the explorers to explore the uh, western coast of America. Back then, they thought it was an island. California was an island. So they made up the story in their books that it was an island ruled by an Amazon queen, African Amazon queen, who could beat any man <laughs> that she encountered. And the land was filled with gold, you know. You know, all her robes and everything was made of gold and jewelry. So this inspired the explorers to explore, find this land, try and conquer this woman, get the gold, you know. So that's how that came about. And her name was Califia. Wonderful. Thank you. James, tell me a little bit more about what took you to art originally as a little kid. How did you happen to go to art school? Was there a motivating event for you that... Somebody gave you a paintbrush, or how did that happen? See, going all the way back as a child, I remember my parents having a really thick illustrated Bible, which was illustrated by the Renaissance masters, you know, Leonardo, Michelangelo, you know. So that really caught my eye and my attention, and I tried to copy them. So I would come home from school, go to my room, sit down, you know, and try to copy the the anatomy, the drawings. I went to Catholic uh, elementary school, and the nuns saw that I had a little talent. They encouraged me to go to, like, a weekend Saturday program at the arts high school that they had there. This is in northern New Jersey. So I went there, and I learned the basics of watercolor, oil painting, acrylics, pastel. So I did it in high school. I would come. Now, in high school, I had two loves. <laughs> I was a football player and an artist. When it came time to go to high school, I had a choice of either going to Arts High or to SS Catholic High, which had the best football team in the state. Okay, So I chose football at that point. So I went there, did good. We won the state championship. I got a scholarship, football scholarship, to Columbia University. Now, the thing about that is that my football coach was also the guidance counselor. So... He had got me two scholarships. He had got the scholarship to Columbia because he was, he was a former pro player, so he's connected in the football world. But his next-door neighbor was the director of admissions at Pratt Institute. So he got me the scholarship at Pratt. So I had two scholarships. And at that point, I had to make a choice. And he advised me. He said, you know, professional football is very competitive. And there's a possibility that I might injure my hands, and that would be it for painting. So he said, take the painting scholarship, which I did, and the rest is history. <laughs> We're glad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because we're so looking forward to seeing your work tonight. I had seen your work in an earlier show, James, and um, just really loved the energy, loved the piece, the execution. I felt very excited viewing it and wanted to see more of your work. And uh, so I'm 
was thrilled when I contacted you on behalf of Nonsuch Space to see if you would participate with us for the month of March, honoring the Sacred Feminine and International Women's History Month. So I hope that you'll join us and James Gales at the Nonsuch Space tonight, 2865 Broadway. The opening reception is between 6 and 10, corner of Broadway and 29th on the second floor. Nonsuch Space is a new gallery. We're trying to do really adventurous programming to excite the imagination of viewers and collectors. And we are part of the Oakland Art Murmur Coalition of Art and Cultural Venues dedicated to increasing awareness and participation in the art in downtown Oakland. And you, your studio is in downtown Oakland, and you're certainly an active part of the Oakland art scene. So tonight there is the art walk, and it's great fun, and the galleries are open until 10 o'clock in the evening, and... Sometimes there are street performances, art installations, one-night installations. It's really a great way to spend a Friday evening and, of course, to see the work of James Gales. And, James, how have you seen the Oakland art scene change? You've been here 25 years or more? Uh, a little bit more, maybe 30. <laughs> mm-hmm. So... What was it like when you first came to town, and how have you seen it change? And what would you like to see in your future and those of other artists locally? I've seen it change. I've seen it grown. I've seen different organizations change when I came here. Pro Arts was one of the premier organizations. They've grown. The Art of Living Black, which I'm a part of, I've seen that grown. I just want to mention that the founder, both founders, Jan Hart-Shires and Ray Hayward, passed away. Ray just passed away uh, about a month ago. And um, she was very instrumental in getting me into the organization and inspired me, encouraged me to participate. And for those of you who don't know, the Art of Living Black is an organization of, at one point it was over 100 Bay Area African-American artists who participated in an exhibit at the Richmond Art Center and in the Open Studios event. You know, it was a good organization where you can get to meet other artists, talk about the different resources out there and what each of us were going through. And it's always good when artists get together and talk about their experiences and stuff. So in that way, you know, it's good. The art scene is is continually growing, and it's, it's a good thing. Tell me about some of your influences. Jacob Lawrence and Audrey Flack, are there contemporary artists in this region that you find excite you and stimulate your interest, make you want to go back to your studio and pick up the paintbrush? Yeah, Jacob Lawrence and Audrey Flack were great. You know, they were, it's good to be exposed to that level, artistic uh, perfection. And it kind of rubs off and, you know, inspires you to move on. I try to look at everything. I don't have the time, of course. I'm always sorry that I missed exhibitions, you know, important artists, you know, Ramirez Bread, and I was sorry that I missed his exhibition. But as far as favorites, uh, local favorites, there's a lot of art out here, especially in the Bay Area, and there's a lot of things that inspire me. Every time I see a good show, you know, I get inspired. Talk a little bit about music. What about music? Music inspires me. I love music. I'm also a musician. I'm a drummer. So, uh, Music is part of my life as well, and it comes across in my art, too. I've done a lot of musicians. I've gotten two individual artist grants now, 
won in 2004 for doing a series of blues musicians that came out of Oakland or passed through Oakland in the, the golden period of the blues in Oakland. And just recently this year, um, I won a grant for doing a series of jazz musicians, which that exhibition is coming up. It opens the 15th of March at Swarm Gallery in Jack London Square. And that's titled that as Jazz Masters. And that features a lot of local jazz musicians. But, um, uh, you know, I play music while I work. How is that translated into the painting? Do you feel that rhythm in the painting? It's hard to put it exactly into words. You know, I'm listening and I feel what's going on, the improvisation, the especially with jazz, you know, the melodies, the abstractions. Like I say, it's hard to put into words. You know, it, it translates into certain feelings that I'm experiencing while I'm painting. And again, it's like the abstractions and improvisations, you know, in my work that I might not do if the music wasn't going on. Your work has a lot of energy. Thank you. A lot, a lot of energy. It feels um, exciting to view. What do you hope the viewer, what do you hope to evoke from the viewer when they're looking at it? What would you like them to say? What do you hope they feel looking at your work? Well, um, I'm a positive person, so I hope that they come away feeling positive. I want to create a work of beauty that they will just enjoy visually and also the human factor of, you know, emotion. I want my work to be emotional and I want to have them identify in some way with what they see. I have a question. This is um, just going back to something you said earlier okay. about football and art. Uh-huh. Oh, they don't seem to relate. <laughs> well, and, and I'm, I was also thinking about your work with kids in juvenile detention and uh-huh. it seems like for young men today, it's really hard for them to move into the arts because there's so much pressure to be tough. And mm-hmm. um, I'm just wondering how you did that. And like when you went into the detention center, was it was it the detention center? Or was it actually a lockdown facility? It was lockdown. Lockdown yeah. facility for for young people today, and I think particularly for young men, because art often is devalued or considered more of a feminine activity uh-huh. how can kids today move move into venues where they really are able to express who they are on a really authentic level i feel like art is a part of the person you know it's a part of the soul anything we can do to foster artistic expression in young people you know whether it be music art visual art writing dance that person will be a better person in the end if all of their aspects are developed. So again, I think art is very much an important part of the human soul. seems to me that young people today need more outlets, more venues, more, more ways to feel like they have a voice, to feel authentic, and that art might be one of those. Yes, definitely, I agree. You know, even today, you know, I know some people may not like rap music, but it is an art form. And, you know, a lot of young people are going towards that. It's good that they do that instead of the other thing that they can do. So, yeah, art is an important part of life. Tonight at Nonsuch Space, 
Please join James Gales and also view the work of Nedra T. Williams for a very exciting show that honors the sacred feminine. Thank you, James, for joining us today in the studio. Thank you. It's been an enjoyable conversation. Well, it's really fun to talk to and you. And I will also like to add, Anne, that you've done a beautiful job curating the show. Thank you for supporting our new venture here. For more information on None Such Space and the opening reception that's part of the Oakland Art Murmur tonight, March 7th, between 6 and 10, please call 510-388-9095. That's 510-388-9095. If you're interested in seeing more of the work of James Gales, finding out more about James, please go to www. Dot jamesgales.com. That's J-A-M-E-S-G-A-Y-L-E-S, www.jamesgales.com. This has been Cover to Cover Open Book. I'm your guest host, Dan Skinner-Jones. Thank you for listening. Please tune in next week. Women of KPFA as we celebrate International Women's Day with 24 hours of special programming beginning midnight Friday, March 7, and going all the way to midnight Saturday, March 8. We'll honor the struggles and contributions of women around the world through music, politics, and culture. That's Saturday, March 8, right here on KPFA 94.1 FM. presents A Storm of Roses, Women Against War, with Holly Near, Farron, Melanie Damore, Mary Watkins, Dance Brigade, and others, to protest the fifth anniversary of the Iraq War, honoring anti-war activist Cindy Sheehan, Code Pink, Barbara Lee, 